When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Pod Save the Queen! Hello and welcome to Pod Save the Queen. I'm Zoe Forsey, I'm your host this week, and I'm joined, as always, by uh, Royal Editor Russell Myers. Hi Russell, how are you? I'm very well, how are you? Yes, not too bad, Tav. Have you had a good week? It's been another busy one, hasn't it? A very busy week, for different reasons. I looked at the calendar today and I couldn't believe it was only Wednesday and my heart sank a little bit, but there's plenty to talk about, so I suppose we shouldn't grumble. No, let's get straight into it. But before we do, actually, very quickly, our lovely listeners have replied to your question from last week when you asked if anyone, if people in America and around the world knew who Anton Deck were, and they've quickly come in and said, of course they do. And actually, people know them through Love Actually. Love Actually? I completely forgot, yeah. So they did a bit where they, I can't remember who it is, but they're hosting a TV show and they they present it on there. And oh, it's one of my, my favourite lines from the show, and it's really annoying me that I can't remember it properly. But who, it's, they say it's, thank you, Ant or Deck, when speaking to them, because he can't tell them apart. <laughs> but there we go. So Ant and Deck are known around the world. Global superstars. <laughs> yeah. So thank you to the many listeners who um, wanted to clear that up, that they are not just, they're not just for us over in the UK. So yes, as you mentioned, a very busy week for the Royals and not necessarily for the kind of nice reasons we spoke about last week. Um, The Queen's health has been a big topic of conversation. Can you fill us in with where we are, please? Well, it has, you know, and I think that um, there will be an awful lot of people who will be quite concerned at the news this week because, uh, I mean, let's just start from the the sort of breaking news from yesterday um, that, that the Queen will not be attending the COP26 uh, UN climate change conference. And of course, that this was the major event that um, the royal family are being pushed as front and centre to, to be at. It's no doubt a huge blow for the government. And I think that just uh, one of the lines that struck me um, from the coverage, and indeed what I was told yesterday, was that um, the, 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 although the Queen was quite really disappointed and had reluctantly decided to to not travel to Glasgow. Um, she really didn't want this to be used as an excuse for people not to go to the climate change conference because, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, she was uh, overheard lambasting various um, world leaders and she didn't name them, but I think we can guess the, the, the ones that she was referring to, possibly President Xi of uh, China, Putin of Russia, and, and indeed Scott Morrison from um, from Australia, and really criticising them for not committing to this big climate change conference. And I think that that just shows you sort of how committed she was to the event. Um, it will be a big blow to the organisers, and 
it, interestingly enough, Scott Morrison this week had uh, confirmed he was going, going to attend and how excited he was to be able to meet the Queen again. So it's obviously a bitter blow. Um, but I think in terms of the Queen's health, Buckingham Palace put out a, a series of pictures yesterday of her holding uh, virtual audiences from her um, working quarters at Windsor Castle. She was seen greeting and chatting to the ambassador for South Korea. Um, and so she looked very sprightly in the pictures. She didn't look unwell. I think that that is um, something definitely to be taken from that because with the cancellation of her COP visit, there was going to be an awful lot of pressure on the palace to explain what um, what is actually wrong with her. Now, it's a double-edged sword, really, because you have the concept of medical privacy, the um, everyone wishing Her Majesty to actually take doctor's orders and to, to listen to what she's being told, and that is to get some rest. And I think that the, the virtual audiences do class as these light duties that she's taking on. We understand she's still reading her um, ministerial red boxes, which are the lists of government papers she gets every day to, to sort of keep up with government business. And we do know a big, big, big day here in the UK today because it is the day of the government's budget being laid out. So she was going to be speaking to the Chancellor last night so that she's still keeping active. But I think essentially what this came down to, um, my conversations with the palace were saying, listen, She's not to get, she's not not well. Um, she obviously has had to have this hospital stay last week that she had to um, have what they called preliminary investigations. And I think that that tells you that something is up. They won't go into detail about what it is because of the Queen's privacy um, due to it being a medical issue. But I think um, you know, reading between the lines, and this might seem simple, but I think this is the situation. Those uh, initial tests may mean that there is a need for further investigation into this unknown condition, or it might mean that she is given a clean bill of health. However, I think when we when we be talking about someone younger, that may be the case. However, I think we you know, we we all forget sometimes that the Queen is ninety five, and no doubt someone of that age is going to potentially have a range of health complications as they move into their later years. So it's great that she's taking the rest. Um, the travel, I believe, would have been a bit too much. And not only the travel, it's the, there was a big reception she was due to host on, uh, on Monday with Prince Charles, Camilla, uh, William and Kate were going to be there as well, or certainly will be there. They will be the, the sort of the ones taking over this reception. And, you know, not only meeting and greeting all the world leaders, standing on your feet for such a, um, an amount of time, but holding conversation for that period. I think that when she probably hasn't had the real time to prep and prepare prepare for something um, like this, it's, uh, it's probably the best decision that she does. Step aside, concentrate on her health and, uh, and let the others take over in this instance. But we're still going to hear from her on the day, aren't we? She's going to be sending a video message. Is that correct? Yeah, you're right. So, the, I mean, and and does this present a new dawn? Because um, coming out of COVID, certainly the Queen and the rest of the members of the royal family were um, very keen to hit the ground running and to get out there, sort of released from the shackles of the coronavirus restrictions. You know, the, the I've, I've mentioned this before, but... Um, 
the Queen has been cooped up in Windsor Castle for, for most of the last 18 months. I know she's done a few engagements and has got up to Balmoral um, for, a, for a brief break just before she's hit this relentless schedule over the last few weeks. However, um, it was definitely her wish to sort of get away from the Zoom calls and, and get out there and meet people in person. However, this may be um, something we see further um, taking place moving forward because undoubtedly the palace officials are going to be looking at the Queen's diary and sort of ticking off what she kind of really needs to be at, what she doesn't, what could be done digitally. And I suppose the, the Queen's mantra, this is a conversation I had with someone at the palace this week, and it, it pointed to the this old age mantra of that you know one must be seen to be believed and that's still very true but in the in this day and age we've we've really survived or they have survived really by be, being able to do the job to a certain extent um by doing taking on the whole new digital aspect of the monarchy uh certainly led by prince william at the start and then charles got involved then the queen so it's it has been a, a great success so so yes yeah, she is going to record a video to be screened at this reception of world leaders on monday um and again that will be very interesting i don't I, i'm i'm sure we will see her get back to full fitness fairly soon but um undoubtedly they they're, they're going to be looking at engagements um, in the new, near future and moving forward as well. And looking at COP26 again, obviously, you know, we know the Queen won't be there, but we're still going to have Prince Charles and Camilla and the Cambridges there. So still a big royal presence and still kind of, you know, that royal voice there, which is really important for the, you know, for such a big event that's in the public eye. Well, definitely. And it's not only important to, to them. And I, I suppose you, it's only recently the Queen has sort of got, involved talking about climate change and obviously made a big noise about it when she was picked up on that microphone a couple of weeks ago outside the uh, or after the the welsh parliament event when um when she was criticizing those world leaders and saying she found it irritating when they talk and they don't do um but certainly we've heard an awful lot about Ch charles's environmental credentials a uh, lot's been made this year about him celebrating 50 years of campaigning on the environment um, lots of traction with his uh, Terra Carta, the Sustainable Markets Initiative, which sometimes is a bit hard to explain. I think that that's the, the issue, but with certainly Prince William's Earthshot Prize, um, that's possibly captured the imagination a little bit more because it's aimed at a younger audience. It's less business heavy. I think that the, the issue when Charles is speaking at the World Economic Forum, or he's, you know, holding a uh, a lecture with Chinese business officials, like he did last week. It's it's very very detailed, and it's really aimed at a different market. Whereas the Earthshot Prize, I mean, William and, and Kate said themselves, didn't they, last week, um, that this is for the younger generation. It's for them to have a cause to tap into. It's all about um, sustainable practices, looking at these five earth shots to change the planet in, in, the, in the future. And so they're probably quite a good double act at the moment, sort of looking at different, um, different ways and different target audiences. But the spotlight will be very much on them. Um, and I'm sure it will be a blow to the organisers not to have the Queen there blow to the government as well who are trying to really hammer home um certain topics of conversation now that we've got the presidency of, of cop 26 but um it, i think with charles being there we're, we're already going to see him doing a lot of sort of statesman-like duties i think 
Um, I don't know the full schedule yet, but I, I, I definitely think we're going to see him making some big talks, rubbing shoulders with some real um, interesting business minds and world leaders at, uh, at COP26. And of course, it's been revealed this week that um, both Charles and Camilla are going to be the first royals to go on a royal tour um, since the pandemic, which is hugely exciting. And one of those big things is to really carry on the sort of COP26 into COP27, which one of the countries is Egypt. I know it's been so nice to it's so nice to finally be able to say we've got some royal tour news for everyone, which is lovely. Um, yes, yeah, so it's going to be a huge, you know, really exciting trip. What it's uh, November, isn't it? It is. So it is over the course of um, five or so days, November the fifteenth uh, to the nineteenth. I think is um, that, that they'll be travelling there to, to to get there early, and then it sort of kicks off four days. Really, I think there's two, there's two days two days in Jordan, two days in Egypt. And so it, um, it becomes really interesting once again, because we haven't had a tour for so long. It would seem. I know, and, I can't even um, remember. What was the last, what was the last tour so we had? Do you know what? I was trying to wrap my brains and I think it was January, 2020. And it will come to me in a minute. I, this is good preparation, but I should have, um, <laughs> that's, I mean, it's been, it has been so, so long since we, since we were away and since they were away on the world stage. And I think, quite prevalent that they're going to Jordan. Certainly that um, the, the royal families seem very intertwined between the, you know, the British royal family and the Jordanian royals. Um, again, I think two big projects which were going to come out of this are not only sort of environmental projects that Charles is going to be speaking about, but also um, the capacity that Jordan has shown to take on refugees from the Middle East. And, you know, there are hundreds and hundreds of thousands of refugees who have made their way over to Jordan. And um, we will be able to shine a light on, on that aspect. I think that they have taken so many refugees from Syria and we will be able to see the work that they're doing sort of up close and personal and not necessarily the sort of the things that you'd normally see of uh, big, huge, sprawling refugee camps, but really how they've able to, um, uh, bring those people into the local communities. And I think that's particularly prevalent because of what's happened with Afghanistan and the amount of refugees that we have attempted to bring over to the UK and the questions about how that they are going to be um, yeah, being able to be settled in, in different communities in the UK and over Europe. So plenty to look forward to in Jordan. Um, and then of course, Egypt is uh, in the hot seat for the nomination to assume the COP27 presidency next year. So certainly I think that Charles will have a big um, <laughs> part to play in that. And the fact that he's going straight there, straight after COP26, shows that um, it probably is much of a done deal that Egypt will, will get that presidency. They'll definitely be pulling out all the stops for that, won't yeah, they, no, to yeah. prove that they are. <laughs> very, very exciting as well. And really, you know, interesting countries to go to. Obviously, Prince William went to Jordan um, a few years ago, didn't he? He did. So there was that moment where they recreated, because obviously the Duchess of Cambridge and her family spent some time there when she was younger. Um, I think it was in 1984 when uh, Kate's dad, Michael, was stationed there when he was a BA manager. And there was that moment where they recreated the family photo, didn't they? They did. I was there. Yeah. And it was it was really interesting, actually. And it, William was a great sport because they the um, Jordanians had, had brought a big picture of Michael <laughs> and uh, Kate 
pitched up at this particular rock and we we had to walk with William all the way. I mean, it was baking hot day <laughs> up and down this sort of stone mountain. And then you got to this, um, you know, fairly uninspiring <laughs> view, to be honest. I mean, Jordan is such an amazing country. And then it was just um, at, at a certain rock that they pinpointed. Anyway, it was a very good sport. But talking of views, we are going to see some spectacular imagery and pictures because um, both... Charles and Camilla are going to be visiting the Great Pyramids of Giza, the Great Sphinx, um, wow. and, they're, and they're also going to attend a reception by the pyramids. So it, there is an awful lot to look forward to. So hopefully it will um, be a real tremendous opportunity, I think, to show that there is certainly, gosh, we're coming at a life out of COVID. I mean, there, there was a period sort of last year and early part of this year where we we, we had no idea when we would be going uh, on these sorts of trips again. I think that there was definitely a bit of Zoom fatigue um, amongst the royals and amongst us. I mean, I'm desperate to sort of try and see people face to face again, and I'm sure they are as well. So it will be a great opportunity to to speak about lots of um, the causes that uh, that are really important to them, but and in a, in a beautiful setting as well. Yes, it's very, very excited and very jealous of that trip. And so Charles and Camilla have had quite a busy week this week, haven't they? Um, while we haven't obviously seen the Queen, we've seen quite a lot of, of them. Um, what's been your kind of, any highlights for you? Yeah, well, they have been busy and and this, I mean, this might be another question for our American listeners and our listeners around the globe, because there is a, um, a, a broadcaster in the UK who presents Good Morning Britain, big show here in, uh, in the UK, called Kate Garraway. And um, she's been on such an incredible, really tough journey for her and her family. And um, Kate's husband, Derek, is essentially known as the person who has suffered um, extremely badly from COVID the longest. I mean, he was very, very fortunate to to survive his health battle. He was in intensive care for uh, nearly nine, 10 months, and he has now been released from hospital back at home, but he's, he's got severe, severe health issues. Now, the reason I mention this is because not only has Kate been speaking about COVID and the, the, the issues surrounding long COVID, and she's written a book about her family struggle and, um, but she, she recently re revealed that there was a member of the royal family who had written to her and offered the help of royal doctors to see if there, you know, if there was anything that they could do. And she didn't mention the royal at the time. And people had presumed that it was one of the Cambridges because um, our listeners will be well aware of the Pride of Britain Awards. That is uh, a, a, in conjunction with the Daily Mirror and an ITV who Kate Garraway works for. And she's had um, a real big part to play in it over the years. Uh, and last year when William and Kate were giving the award to the NHS heroes, and their efforts throughout the coronavirus crisis. You know, Derek was severely ill and she was had a real relationship and rapport with them. And um and she did she did she you know she didn't speak about who 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 had contacted her. However, there was an, an engagement during the week where um Prince Charles was present at uh, a function for the Prince's Trust, and he was speaking to Kate right at the end, and, and it was caught on camera that she she essentially thanked him for for getting in touch. And um, and it then became apparent that it was Prince Charles who had written this letter and, off, and obviously offered this incredible gesture to say, you know, we've we've heard 
about what's been going on with your family and if there's anything we can do. Um, Kate, to her credit, was immensely complimentary of, of the care that he would receive throughout the NHS and uh, and didn't take the offer up. But she said that, you know, it was uh, a lovely offer, very surreal. She was incredibly touched by it. And I think that this probably gives you an indication of sometimes we don't always hear about what the rules are doing. We don't always hear about the projects. I mean, yeah, they get an awful lot of um, coverage uh, in some quarters and awful lot of stick in others to say, you know, they're, they're often just living in palaces, flying around on private jets. Well, you know, there is an awful lot of charity work and there is an awful lot of compassion, I think, especially with um, things like this. And it, and it was nice to sort of close that end of the story and, and the fact that it wasn't necessarily the people you thought it was. It was, uh, it was other people operating in the shadows, as it were. It's such a lovely story, isn't it? And it just obviously, I don't know, but it sounds like one of those things if it hasn't come to them via a private sector via a member of staff that sounds like something he's heard about and he's kind of gone out his his way to do that more as a personal gesture rather than you know kind of doing everything he can to help rather than just you know doing the the official royal yeah, exactly. work which yeah, no, is really lovely yeah, i mean didn't, it certainly didn't have to do it um it's not that you know there wasn't a personal promise to help or or even a personal plea from from the Garraway family. So it was it was very nice, and I think that um, that was sort of followed up this week by Charles's appearance at um, at one of the Samaritans centres. And uh, yeah, I assume I assume the Samaritans are an international organisation. They've certainly um, been going for for more than fifty years in this country, and they're one of the branches in Gloucester near his Highgrove house, um, Highgrove home, were, were celebrating their sort of 50th anniversary. Now, Charles has been patron of this charity and Samaritans is essentially a sort of a call line for people to ring in times of distress. And such a, a, a charity to be going so long tells you sort of the, the, the strength of what it has in sort of public consciousness really and Charles was there to to thank the volunteers who who staff these phones you know day and night and um and have obviously helped many many thousands of people in a severe time of distress and um uh, and again just a, a very small engagement I think as we're sort of building up to these big tours it's um we can't forget that the the, the real sort of charity and the real probably benefit of royals having an association is the smaller organizations up and down the country that have have no doubt been affected by covid the most so good to see charles lending um his support to, to you know long-standing um engagement such as samaritans that he's had it is and it's such an amazing charity we've seen quite a lot of you know they've done quite a lot with them over the years haven't they but i these are the kind of engagements that i really like the really small scale ones where he he obviously didn't and it wasn't just he didn't just pop in but the ones that it looks a bit more like you know they're just kind of going around he just you know would have made a huge difference to lots of people's day which was um really lovely but i think for me the most um kind of one of the most powerful royal things i've read this week is actually something that um i think is embargoed until later on today but you're gonna uh, tell us a bit more about but is the duchess of cornwall's uh, paying tribute to sarah everard and sabina nessa yeah, I mean, this this is happening this evening. So in the sort of time space continuum, you'll you'll hear about it on Thursday. And I was given sort of a, a pre copy of, of of the speech just to have a a read through. And um, I won't spoil it for everybody, but uh, but it's it's an absolutely incredibly powerful speech. And 
The Duchy of Cornwall, I, I think this is a landmark moment for her, really, because we, you know, she's been very, very vocal about domestic abuse. We've heard her over the last couple of years. Um, and she has taken on all sorts of projects to, to do with that. And I think she's really got a personal um, interest in it because previously she's spoken about how um, she was affected by her friends and, and, you know, personal acquaintances who had suffered at the hands of domestic abusers. Now, this is an incredibly poignant um, and tragic issue that she has now aligned herself with. And you mentioned the two names of Sarah Everard there with, and Sabina Nissa, who are two young women who have been tragically murdered um, over the last few months. And there are other women that Camilla will mention in this speech. And the, the, the speech is at a Women of the World event. And it's in part they they're, they're having something called the shameless festival and, and the reason why they're doing this is to speak about the movement to end sexual violence against women and one of the uh, the, the names that she'll she will also speak about is wenjing ling Gatika goel benelin burke and just some of the names she says must never be forgotten and i think sarah everard's case sticks in the public consciousness possibly um or arguably more because it's more recent sarah uh, the, the the case of wayne cousins the police officer who um shockingly kidnapped her and ended up murdering her in the most awful awful circumstances now this this issue that Camilla is taking on is really hammers home because her central point is that men need to get involved in this movement as well to end sexual violence against women. And the line that really struck out to me is rapists are not born, they are constructed. And I'll just read you a little bit of smattering about her speech. She says, we need to get the men in our lives involved in this movement. We do not in any way hold all men responsible for sexual violence, but we do need them on board to tackle it. After all, rapists are not born, they are constructed. And it takes an entire community, male and female, to dismantle the lies, words and actions that foster a culture in which sexual assault is seen as normal and which shames the victims. So very, very powerful words. And I think that if this was, um, you know, certainly one of the younger members of, of, the, uh, of the royal team, everyone would this would be war-to-war -war coverage. So I really hope that this just gets the respect it deserves because when in part of her speech, she talks about at a previous Women of the World event, she asked members of the audience to, to raise their hand if they could ever imagine a world in which, in which women were not subjected to sexual violence. And from her speech, you, you, you gather that there were only a smattering of women who actually thought that they would live in that sort of society, which really, really hammers home what is being spoken about. Um, it's really upsetting. That's really upsetting. It is, it's absolutely shocking, figure, isn't it? You know, and um, and I think what's you know, I have sisters, and I've spoken to them, you know, at length recently because of the amount of coverage that uh, these these horrific murders have had, and. You know, they're of a certain age where they're not long out of university. They are young women enjoying their lives in the city, going out, have partners. And to hear their, not even anecdotal evidence, to hear that actually their personal experience has, has actually been really shocking um, to hear. And then when it's compounded by the fact that 
you know, 80% of women, 90% of women do not think that they will ever live in a world where this is not a problem, um, really needs individuals. And the other half of the population, the men to stand up alongside them and say, this is not um, a world that we want to live in. So it certainly will be um, very interesting to see how this sort of concept is carried on. And, uh, and I think she will gather an awful lot of interest um, uh, about this sort of new quest that she's on, which is absolutely laudable. You said a, a huge moment for Camilla and we're hoping that she can, you know, really uh, draw a bit more attention. Yeah, uh, capitalise on it. You know, this is it's yeah. a really important speech. And I, and I think that um, I think it's something we'll, we'll see her talking about even, even more in the future, definitely. And for listeners, um, you know, maybe outside of the UK who aren't as familiar with these cases, um, just kind of bring another royal point to it. Sarah Everard was the uh, the woman who was murdered, who we saw the Duchess of Cambridge lying some flowers at the uh, memorial earlier in the year, kind of dressed down off duty, went to lay a bouquet. Yeah. Um, so we know it's something that's really affected all of, you know, the whole family well, as I it has everyone in the UK. You know what, and I think on that point is that um, it was an unannounced visit. She was just picked up by uh, actually a Sky News journalist who happened to be there and got his phone out. So it, there wasn't any big fanfare around it. But I actually um, revealed a few few weeks after that she'd, she'd written to Sarah Everard's mother uh, and their family. And it's quite interesting that um, Camilla references Sarah, Sarah Everard's mother's victim impact statement that she was was read out um, at Wayne Cousins' uh, trial, and it's absolutely devastating. So I, I think that this is definitely something that they have been speaking about as a family. And you know, Kate at the time said, or certainly her aides were saying that the, the Duchess remembers walking around the, that area of London, she it, it really affected her. And I'm sure, you know, sort of asking you the question as well, Zoe, I mean, you, you imagine it's hit home, you're a similar sort of age, something like that happens to a young girl in you know, London where you live and work. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's just an absolutely horrific um, instance to happen that really, really gets you thinking about your own near misses and your, your own life and how you, you, you have to be conscious of these things, which is absolutely awful. Definitely. And I think that's one of the main things that's come out of it um, with both Sabina and Sarah, but obviously all the other cases as well is the things that women, young women do ev all the time that men maybe don't appreciate and not don't appreciate aren't aware of and we just kind of do it because it's not a big deal i was having a chat with an editor about how he couldn't understand why i woke up an hour earlier in winter before work and that's because i can't run in the evenings because it's dark and it's just little things like that i think it's made everyone you know kind of more aware and, and thinking about stuff like that um but yes it's really you know really great to hear that the duchess of cornwall is using her platform to, to kind of keep that conversation going and to you know keep that call for an end um to sexual violence against women really in the spotlight and how and how amazing would it be if, if there is some collaboration with other members of the royal family Definitely. you know and that that would be very very powerful i think that that's something that um you know we we may see in the future because um unfortunately this is this is a a shocking issue that isn't going to go away so i think that they're, they're rightly in for in for the long haul with it and we wish them all the best with that 
Definitely. And while Charles and Camilla have been extremely busy this week with lots of different in-game in, uh, engagements, sorry, I can't speak, um, the Cambridges are taking a well-deserved holiday, aren't they? Because uh, the George and Charlotte will be on their half-term holidays, which is a, a week's break here in the UK. Now, it's a, you know, it's a kind of private holiday, so we don't know any of the details about where they're going or anything like that. But what we do know is they had quite a nice start to the trip, didn't they? They weren't kind of queuing up in queuing up at Heathrow Airport as I think we would be doing. Yeah. (laughs) This is the way to do holiday. (laughs) I think I need to send an an email, a swift email to the editor because I I did not know about this very, very clush um lounge that they've got at Heathrow Airport. Yeah, I think and, for uh, research you know, purposes. Stuck yeah, research the queue purposes. Get... <laughs> yes indeed. Yeah, yeah. I'm always stuck. For your next trip, you need to go. Yeah. Print. Yeah. I definitely want to be having the Windsor Suite, the VIP treatment. It comes at a price of three thousand three hundred pounds and they have ninety-six staff Ooh. taking care of you. It's uh you get a, a chauffeur driven car to take you to the suite. You get another one to take you to the tarmac. What I found was quite odd that there's a picture of a <laughs> rather dodgy painting of the Queen hanging in the corner of this suite that we found some pictures of. But um, I think I then, think more of a modern art is the phrase you're looking for rather than a dodgy painting. A, dodgy a painting. modern <laughs> approach to. And then I started thinking about sort of the, the kids, sort of George, Charlotte, and Charlotte and Louis coming in and then pointing at this picture of Granny <laughs> and, and wondering what what on earth it was there for. But um, yeah, I mean, it's half term. They were seen going, um, turning up at Heathrow Airport last week. So no doubt they were. It's, it's only a week half term, isn't it? So no doubt they'll be back in a few days. I'm sure they haven't gone somewhere to, to, you know, too long haul. But um, I think it's going to be a very busy time because we have um, them coming back for COP. This is going to be you know, a, a, a big issue, as we've just discussed, especially with the, the, with the Queen not being there. So it will be all, all guns blazing um that's for sure and then and then we god dare i say it we're we're all november's going to be pretty busy i think and then we're straight into christmas aren't we yeah i was gonna say you're about to say this you're about to say christmas (laughs) i keep saying i keep seeing adverts for it so it's already wrecking my brain already but i think it'll be really interesting to see what we have in terms of a royal family christmas this year because obviously last year was devastating the queen and prince philip on their own in windsor everybody staying in their own houses um and so will there be an opportunity to get all together as a family and indeed will harry and Meghan come back for it um you know the queen yeah there is 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 probably not in the the best of health she's she's doing all right but she's she's understandably resting <coughs> will um will uh will harry and Meghan come back and, and use that opportunity only time will tell i think I really hope so. It'd be so lovely to have everyone together. I think so many people all around the world are just looking forward to this Christmas. And, you know, we're making our family plans at the moment, actually, and kind of saying, right, we, everyone needs to be there. It's not optional this year. We will do one year all together to make up from last year, you know, not going ahead. So hopefully, but when, when will we likely to find out the plan? Well, who knows? I mean, God, if you read certain parts of the press, we, you know, there's lockdowns threatened. I mean, God knows what's happening. But Don't say that. We talked about this last week. You're I know, not I allowed to. <laughs> You're banned from this. <laughs> but I think I think it will it will be a fairly late decision. I can't imagine will because things are so fluid at the moment. Um, who knows what will be happening? So I don't listen. I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. Um, one would assume there will be some sort of family Christmas with the Queen at Sandringham, but 
I'm I'm not a fortune teller at this stage, so we'll <laughs> just have to wait and see. Well, fingers and toes crossed. And you med- mentioned Megan and Harry there, and we obviously heard from Megan this week uh, as well. We heard she wrote a very moving letter. Um, as well, as she said, not as a campaigner or a public figure, but as a mum. Can you tell us a bit more about that? That was about kind of paid leave uh, yeah, for your parents. Yeah, it is. And, you know, this is something that everyone, you know, like, like them or loathe them, this is a really important um, topic to be taking on. And regardless of whether you think that this is getting involved in politics, perhaps we'll touch on that in a minute, this this concept about paid parental leave in the United States is something that really needs addressing. And I have a lot of family in the States, and certainly um, uh, my sister-in-law had her firstborn out there. She was back to work within four weeks, um, which I just found, and that was taking holiday. I mean, that's taking like, using all her it's just holiday. just mad, isn't it? it? Is, yeah. It, you know, we, we, we are very fortunate here in the UK, or at least... Uh, a sizable part of the population are fortunate and I know that's uh, often topped up by um, generous employers contributions but to 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 not have paid parental leave is in the United States it seems such a regressive um, policy that it's something that definitely a lot of uh, individuals and companies are sort of latching on to so um, yeah you're right this it was a she wrote about her own experiences growing up with her family, becoming a mum to, to Archie and, and Lilibet, and, um, and really speaking about the sacrifices working parents have to make. Um, and one of the lines that stood out for me was, not just in pursuit of the American dream, but simply the dream of stability. And I felt it was particularly personal because, you know, let's not beat around the bush here. These are two multi-millionaires who have got an army of nannies, they've got an awful lot of um, luxury at their disposal. And yet she was quite unguarded and spoke about the the anxiety that comes with having a child and how are you going to be prepared for uh, that change in your life? How are you going to provide for them? And, and, and by saying that, you know, they didn't have the worries of having to return to work. I mean, Harry is even taking extended paternity leave and that is something that, you know, most men do not get to do. And I think that in the UK, we've had quite, or we're catching up probably to our Scandinavian cousins who have a really, really progressive outlook on on things like this. Um, So it's definitely something, I think that she would, so the the letter was addressed to Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, who who obviously have quite a a sway in these things. And it'd be interesting to see whether the Biden administration actually acts on this because it has been bubbling under the surface for quite a long time. Um, Now, obviously, obviously, the issue is when you actually see the letter is Megan is writing this to two elected officials in the United States whilst using her Duchess of Sussex title. It is on letter-headed paper uh, from the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, which is is problematic. I'm, uh, you know, and I think that 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 does raise an awful lot of questions about using. You, the, the, the royals entering politics in a, certainly in a foreign country, regardless of whether Meghan is um, is American or not. She is a member of the royal family, um, and I don't think that you had you could get to. We certainly couldn't get away with a member of the royal family here in the UK getting away with something like that being so um, explicit. Maybe we have turned a tide, but. Um, does she harbour political ambitions? I'm not too sure. I think that there are 
other things she's probably more interested in doing. But it, but again, listen, a very laudable cause, a very noble cause, and um, I think for the benefit of all parents in in the United States, I'm sure that millions of people would would wish that they had a better deal out of it. I think she also, I, I get the impression she maybe saw this line of you know, concern was coming as well, because she directly said in the letter, didn't she? She said, this is about putting families above politics. And for a refreshing change, it's something we all seem to agree on. And she signed the letter from, you know, so on behalf of my family, Archie, Lily and Harry, I thank you for considering this letter and on behalf of families. So she, you know, really was trying to hit home in what she was writing, that it was that line about her writing. It was, as she did, she was writing it as a, as a mum, rather than, as a political statement, even though it was on that headed paper, as you said, do you think that was enough to kind of answer people's concerns? Yes and no. I mean, (laughs) it's a tough one, isn't it? This is not just an issue that is going to be sorted out overnight. I think that there are systemic issues surrounding you know, healthcare, pregnancy in the in the US. I mean, I've got friends in the States who have been hit with like 20, 30 grand bills after they've had a baby. Oh, and they, you know, their insurance is supposed to cover it, but there's loads of extra stuff that gets lumped on and they're, they're then in debt from having a child straight off the bat. I mean, these are things that we just don't even think about in the UK um, and, and, and possibly throughout Europe. But it's, um, it's a very... As I said, I I agree with the cause. I think that this is something that we may see her speaking on again because um, because it's something that is not going to be changed overnight. And um, again, I I wanted to invite some comments from our um, from our US cousins to see how how they have responded to it because I don't think you can get on her back for for take for taking this on. There may have been, you know. A, uh, a bit of an issue writing on the letter-headed paper, but the, the 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 spirit is there, and I don't think that, that should detract from them from the cause. And but saying that, one of the questions that lots of our listeners have raised after seeing you know the stories about this is just a more general point as to whether or not they should be using the Duke and Duchess of Sussex titles. I think there's been quite a lot of confusion about when the kind of Mexit deal was agreed and they were meant to stop using titles altogether or were they allowed to keep using these. Can you kind of remind everyone about the use of the titles? Well, they're certainly not um, styled as his or her Royal Highness anymore. They've agreed to sort of drop that. Um, they weren't stripped of, uh, of of the Duke and Duchess of Sussex titles because that was a, essentially a gift from the Queen on their wedding day. However, it was agreed that they wouldn't necessarily be using them for, um, for profit. Um, I don't... Have they done that? I mean, they're, really, they're literally introduced as the Duke and Duchess of Sussex every time you see them at a concert or on uh doing some sort of media and and it's definitely helped them get their jobs being impact officers or big deals with netflix and spotify however um when you're entering the political arena it's uh it's probably a little different and i still think the jury is out i mean we definitely still haven't even had a year of it yet have we so um maybe it's something that uh the, the palace will take stock of turn of the year there are definitely more important things to worry about certainly the queen's health and then cop and uh and so on and so forth about how they're going to come out of the the pandemic so i don't really think that they're too bothered about what (laughs) they're going to up to it at the moment they're probably just letting uh, let them get on with it and unless they deeply offend anyone they'll probably just um be be put out to pasture and, and told to get on with it and so what exciting things do we have coming up this week 
what exciting things do we have coming up? Well, of course, we've got, um, I really want everyone to check out this this coverage of the Duchess of Cornwall speech, which is happening tonight. We also have um, uh, the, the, probably some more stuff with the tour may come out in due course. So I, I will be travelling there on the, um, for just, just before it, maybe a couple of days before it to sort of, scope out what we're going to be doing so that is interesting although that's not a couple of, a couple of weeks away and then of course cop even though the queen is not going to be there it's going to be very interesting to see how um how charles and william and the um their good wives navigate it because there will be a big charm offensive needed we're going to be seeing charles and william speaking um at a couple of events for sure so um you know more more to look forward to on that front so i suppose i will be able to check in with you next week and give you a full update from cop because i am up there for a couple of days next week oh fantastic well we look forward to that thank you so much for joining me today it was lovely to chat to you and thank you to our listeners for tuning in as normal follow us on instagram and twitter at pod save and until next time pod save the queen 